Come in, Earthman. I am Arvind Sur, and I have chosen you to take my place as space patrolman of this sector. With this green energy battery, you will have power over everything except that which is yellow. Take my ring and use it to defend against evil and injustice. Banded together from remote galaxies are the most sinister villains of all time. The Legion of Dudes. Dude. His dudeness. Duder. El Duderino. Dude. Dude. Dedicated to a single objective. The conquest of the universe. It's the Legion of Dudes podcast. In brightest day. In blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. And now, here's the dudes. Welcome everyone to the Legion of Dudes presents Green Lantern Rebirth. Hi, my name is Ken Morgan, and I am joined by my fellow conspirators of the Legion of Dudes, Adam Umack, Jim Dietz, Johnny M, and Russell Latham. Say hello, guys. Hi, everybody. Hey, hello. What's up? Hello, guys. As I said, this week we're going to be looking at Jeff Johnson, Ethan Van Skyver's triumphant return of Hal Jordan to the DC Universe proper in Green Lantern Rebirth. Before we do that, I'd like to uh, remind you to check out our brother podcast, Half Hour Wasted, right here on this feed at www.hhwlod.com or www.legionofdudes.com. Of course, when you're done listening to this episode or any of our shows, Feel free to send us a line and tell us your thoughts at our email address at comments at legionofdudes.com. And you can also send us a voicemail to 516-468-7912. So guys, Green Lantern Rebirth. Before we get into this, uh, I just want to say uh, this is a book that I picked that I wanted to discuss in part because Blackest Night is coming up. It's been leading up to for the last couple of months. Sinister Core War is a great story, but Green Lantern Rebirth is probably the single storyline, the single book that caused me to spend as much money on comics as I do today. That's the one that really sucked me into the DC proper and introduced me to so many other books that you know I, I, I'm now buying more books than I really probably should. Let's go around the horn and see what any, if anybody else has any other stories or reactions about Green Lantern, The Return of Hal Jordan, or, or, or anything about the book. This is awesome. This is comics at its best. I love it. This is one of those reasons that as much as people disagree why I keep coming back to DC, even though we have you know disappointment after disappointment, uh, this is the diamond in the rough in the company. And I would also you know go as far to say is that this is probably one of Jeff's first kind of like big you know bam kapow uh, mini projects that was greenlighted from DC too. It's not without its flaws. Rebirth alone and the subsequent you know twenty issues or so that kind of you know feed from it. But this and Identity Crisis running concurrently at the same time. Nah, this is too good to pass up, and I think a lot of the, the two crowds, as far as readership, fed into each other, too. I will jump in. I got back into comics right at the release of Green Lantern number one, for the, obviously for the Jeff Johns run. So I just missed Rebirth, and it didn't, Green Lantern didn't stick for me at first. Maybe I wasn't versed well enough in the DCU, or I just... You know, I tried the first few issues, and I wasn't too familiar with the character. It just didn't stick with me at first, and um, so I actually gave it up. And it wasn't until I went back and read Rebirth that I picked up my first couple of issues of the regular series again, um, and then it kind of took off from there. And Jeff Johns, 
I knew I wanted to try it because my favorite Flash uh, stuff is actually the Jeff Johns stuff. So that's probably what said, now let me give this another try. And for whatever, the second time around, I really dug it a lot more. Well, I actually got into Green Lantern originally back, like right before the death of Superman. There was a, a series called Trinity that involved Green Lantern and the Dark Stars and... Um, I can't remember who the other group was, but somehow it was, it was supposed to be tied into the whole Death of Superman thing from that. So I, I got on to, to there kind of at the tail end of the Hal Jordan thing, and as he, you know, saw the destruction of Coast City and went through all that, and then I followed Kyle for a while, for about two years, and then I dropped Green Lantern entirely. So when this um, series came out, I had been out of comics for just a little bit and was kind of getting back in. So when I saw they were actually finding a, a way to bring Hal back, I had to, I had to pick it up and I'm glad I did. It's just, again, I, I didn't, I read it and loved it, but didn't jump onto the Green Lantern bag, bandwagon fully up until Sinestro Cool War. And since then I've been pretty hardcore on it and going back and getting all the hardcovers and everything. But it, I just thought the art was incredible. The story was good. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was a pretty clever way to bring not only Hal back, but kind of get Guy Gardner away from where he was with the whole warrior thing and try and just kind of tie up all these loose ends that have been kind of floating around for years and years in the DCU to kind of bring everybody back to, to their core as being a Green Lantern and bring that whole mythos back after it had kind of strayed for so long. I got into Green Lantern uh, back in the 80s when uh, Len Wein and Dave Gibbons uh, were doing Green Lantern. It was the uh, John Stewart era where they established a lot of the Green Lantern core stuff with, uh, you know, Kilowog and Cat Matui and um, a lot of the Green Lantern core stuff. And I really liked it then. But then when, uh, in the 80s, when uh, they put Hal through all those changes with Coast City, Emerald Dawn, and Emerald Twilight and all that stuff. I mean, I, I still remember the one uh, cover of Hal, you know, holding all the rings of all the Green Lanterns he'd killed, you know, greedily. And then him being such a big part of Zero Hour, too. I was just I was super skeptical when I heard they were going to try to bring uh, Hal back. Uh, at the, I think at the time of the beginning of Rebirth, he was still the Spectre. Is that correct? I think so. Yes, he is. But uh, okay. But uh, when I heard they were going to bring Hal back as you know Green Lantern, I was I was super skeptical because I'd seen you know what they'd done you know to Hal with Final Night and again with like I said with Zero Hour and everything else. I'm just like I just lost interest in the character. But um, I have to say, after reading Rebirth, I was interested again. I mean, it was a combination not only of a uh, John's writing, but uh, Van Skyver's art, I really, really like his style, and uh, it just suits uh, Green Lantern super well. So when I read Rebirth, I was super skeptical, like I said, and I read the, uh, the entire six-issue run, and it made me a believer. I was like, okay, finally, somebody took all these loose ends were flying around and threatening to hit a reader in the face and tied them all together and made them actually make sense. Uh, especially with, uh, with the way he deals with parallax and things like that. I was, I was so glad to see that, and I, I give John's all the credit in the world for being able to do that in a cohesive story that made sense. All right. I um, agree with everybody. everybody's points everybody's mentioned, everything from uh, you know, tying with Identity Crisis to being interested in with uh, you know, how they're going to bring Hal back in a way that makes sense. Uh, the last point I want to make before we really get into the book is we've had talks before about is there a, such a thing as a new reader-friendly comic or there is no such thing as it, and, and I got a point to this book that yes, there is. I the only thing I knew about Hal Jordan was that I liked him because I saw him in the Super Friends. That was it. Had no idea who Kyle was, Carol Ferris, John Stewart. You know, pick one. All right, I knew John Stewart from from the uh, Justice League cartoon. That's about it. 
Um, but I went, you go through here and like the first couple pages, the ship crashes and here's somebody with a Green Lantern costume and it's Kyle. I'm like, I, I don't know who anybody is. But I stuck with it. And as I said, this book got me into deep into the deep DC universe because I kept reading it. Johns gives you everything you need to know when you need to know it. You know, so he'll introduce things, introduce things slowly. And so it's not off-putting to a new reader, but it's not boring for a seasoned reader as well. So, the, when, again, just to you know, drive the point home, there is a new reader-friendly comic, and this is it. I agree. Uh, I yeah. mean, I, I think so, they set up so much in this that, you know, as we go through it, we'll see. But there's so much of this set up that, you know, when you follow the monthly that derived from this, and then when they got years later down the road with the whole um, secret origin, there's stuff that ties back directly panel to panel from what he was setting up in this. So it was nice that he was... You know, he kind of rehashes some of the origin stuff, like you're saying, Ken. And then later on, when he fleshes it out in more detail, it all jives. Like, there's nothing that, that really contradicts each other. Yeah, I was just going to, I didn't want to bring it up at first, because I know we're going to get to the secret origin storyline, you know, when we get to it, uh, so to speak. But that's what really made, like, the light switch come on for me. Like, reading the secret origin trade and, and seeing just what Russ said, that he really seems to have a plan down. You know, nothing bothers me more than when I get the feeling that somebody's making stuff up as they go along, you definitely feel that there's like a blueprint that he's going on, which is, you know, it's pretty cool. It's like watching a, a good serial TV show like Lost or something like that where you, you really get the feeling that they're dropping breadcrumbs for you and it's all going to connect at some point, which I think he does a great job of. Yeah, one of the cool things I enjoy about it, Ken, like you said, it is friendly for new readers, but, uh, you know, seasoned DCU uh, veterans can get like a lot more out of it, you know. I think that a casual reader would. So it works not only for a new reader fresh to the comic, but also for, you know, longtime fans of the DCU. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not going to say that I don't get more out of it or to say new stuff or different things out of it on subsequent reads now that I know more. Because, sure, a lot of the extra references I get better than I did once before. So there's certainly that. But it doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it the first time through. All right, so before we get in here, can anyone, who can give me an idea of where Hal has been? Like, how did he get to be bonded with the Spectre? You know, what happened? You mentioned Cove City and things like that, but can anyone give me some specifics of what happened to Hal? Well, he went to the same hairstylist as Reed Richards, and from there... (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a stylist I'm going to right now. Some fearful symmetry. Is that a real haircut with the gray on the side? I mean, now that's actually that's a good point because it kind of ties into what we're talking about with Johns. That's always been that way, right? But now Johns gave it like an origin as to why it turned gray. Is that correct, or am I off in that whole? No, you're right. You got it. That's right. So like it's that's basically cool. it, it's basically explaining away the not necessarily nonsense, but think of it as a flourish. Do you know what I mean? This is. This is here, but here's the reason behind why it's here. You know, like how the black uniforms, excuse me, like how the black on the uniforms are like really, really cold. That's explained in, you know, one of the other issues and how like the green parts of the uniform is like extremely just like hot, you know, with willpower. And Peter Rios even said this, that that's probably going to tie in with Blackest Night. How Johns keeps hammering how like the black on the uniforms is just basically death itself. It's just cold. Which probably you know ties into the color spectrum, which we'll find out about later. You know, mm-hmm. as far as where Hal was and how he got here, with the whole when, when Mongol dis- destroyed Coast City way back when in the early '90s, with the whole death of Superman, Hal went a little street rat crazy, shall we say, and wanted to rebuild Coast City after it was destroyed, and he was just kind of consumed with anger and revenge. 
And to the point where at the time we thought it was just how going crazy. So he ends up making a beeline for the central power battery in Oa because he feels he's just going to consume the entire central battery, take all that energy and be able to rebuild Coast City properly. So he pretty much cuts a path of destruction from Coast City straight to Oa, tearing through all the Green Lanterns and everybody that got in his, in his way, and then consumed the power battery and then became Parallax with the whole costume and, and the whole nine yards, and then kind of became the villain of the DCU for a couple of years there and just kind of went through and, and was shown that way. Then we had a, a, a series called The Final Night. And yeah, The Final was, Night. Uh, yeah, Final Night. And the whole Earth was, you know, the, the Sun Eater came and it was destroying the Sun so the Earth was going cold. And it ended up that Parallax gave himself to reignite the sun. I mean, he showed up in Zero Hour, I guess, before that and, and was part of the big bad of bad with Extant. And then so when Final Night came about, he ended up giving his life to basically reignite the sun. And at that point, he became the new host for the Spectre and then pretty much existed as the Spectre up until this point here. And like while this, Russ, while all this stuff with Extant was happening um, during Final Night, what happens also is that Johns jumped back into that storyline with uh, Booster Gold and Rip Hunter and the, t- and the Beatles in the Time Sphere in one of the earlier issues of his of the twelve that he did for Booster Gold. So it's like he even revisited the whole point of Rebirth. Really, was to legitimize Parallax in a lot of ways, in such a way that it would make sense. So Booster Gold can go in actually interact with Parallax knowing that it's a parasite commenting on that fact, you know, and how, how deals with it. And the rest of rebirth did the point of rebirth was you need to give Hal a pass on this Parallax stuff because this was all freaking uh, Sinestro's ridiculously uh, evil plan, which I totally buy when I read final night and all that uh, stuff again, I'm like, dude, Sinestro's pulling the strings. Even though that's the, you know, like, turnaround retcon uh, that, you know, no one saw coming up until, what is this, issue four or five of Rebirth? Right. When, when Sinestro jumps in. So, and what you see in Rebirth is, and then in the Sinestro Core War, is Parallax infects Ganthet, of all people, or Maltusians. And then in Sinestro Core War, he infects Kyle. So, not only does Kyle get the short end of the stick here the torch kind of like is passed to these other powerful entities to show that like, okay, all this how quote unquote hate, how we turned evil and stuff. You need to overlook that because there's like a larger force at work. And that's really what the John's MO does is that it kind of like envelops and these other, I don't want to say continuity bumps because they were legit stories that, you know, maybe just need ironed out. Mm-hmm. Or maybe don't need iron out, or, or maybe are just worth looking at again in a different way. All right. Well, thanks for wrapping up Rebirth. Uh, that's going to be our episode for tonight. <laughs> uh, no, you're absolutely right. This this is um, this is probably the first time I saw a book that is a retcon, a retcon, but that word's not being used in a negative light, and it actually confused me. I'm like, how is this a retcon? Every time I hear somebody say retcon, they're crying and screaming that they're you know they're playing foul, and I never really appreciated that a retcon could be a positive thing because this contradicts nothing that came before. It just fills in the blanks or you know adds some details that weren't there before, or gives us some new information, like you said, that it was. It makes us it makes us think that there were blanks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. 
<clears throat> yeah, because that was always the trick with rebirth coming into it. It was for me. It was how I've got to get this because how do you redeem this character? Because I mean, I know he would become the Spectre and the whole yep. end of the final night thing, but how is the character? in my mind, and I think in the comic public's mind, was completely irredeemable. I mean, he killed other Green Lanterns. He destroyed the, yep. the central power battery. He did all these horrible things and went just absolutely crazy. So in my mind, it's like no matter what you come up with, how do you erase what he did? Because the thinking was he was in his right mind or it right. Was, he was under his own control. And for, you know, for things to play out, as we'll get to, the way they did, that was the genius of it. All right, well, it sounds like we are ready to move into the book, so what uh, say we just head into issue number one. All right, so we uh, we open up. First off, the cover is a great cover with the, really depicts the three parts of, of Hal. You've got, you know, Hal as a specter in the background holding his green lantern, but with the reflection of parallax in there. So you really see the three sides of, of Hal that are, everything's pulling at him in, in three different ways, and that's going to play in through, uh, throughout the course of the book. So we're, we're given a nice monologue uh, from... Apparently a Green Lantern, given the green background. We find out it's Kyle later in a in a ever s- nice shot of the sun. As we get closer to, closer to it, a spaceship of some type, it looks like a green construct, bursts out of the sun and heads towards Earth, apparently. Where it crashes, and nearby two, two hikers, and out emerges Kyle, saying, don't be afraid. You know, you can see he's got his Green Lantern ring, clearly, clearly uh, wounded and hurt. And we find out his cargo is a casket of some type. And he says, it has a name, it has a name. And we don't know at this point what it is. You know, moving on to Northern California, we find uh, Carol Ferris, you know, coming across her, her old family business, the Ferris Aircraft, for sale signs in complete disrepair. She finds an old plane. It's uh, Hal Jordan's plane. And she's talking to apparently her husband. She's married now. And this is like the love of, of Hal's life, you know, so she's, she's moved on since, since he's been gone. So, uh, something that, that will play in later. Something that confused me at first was when Kyle said, I'm, I'm Kyle Rayner, last of the Green Lanterns. Oh, I was last of the Green Lanterns. Cause here's, uh, John Stewart, Green Lantern, along with Guy Gardner wearing his Warriors t-shirt going to a, to a baseball game and, uh, they get their seats. We're going to get to it, but I never knew what who guy was like i didn't realize he was a green lantern at the point when i read this but i don't have a handle on his abilities as of this book like as he tattoos out and gets all buffed and has some kind of abilities and there's a seat empty seat waiting that all of a sudden here comes hal jordan wearing his father's flight jacket you know ready to enjoy a baseball game with his friends but he can't enjoy it because being the specter everyone around him just needs to confess their sins to him and it's getting so bad that Hal just can't do any more. He says, I can't stay here. The spirit of vengeance, it won't give me a break anymore. And so off he goes. Finally, our first bit of action as we move into uh, Oliver Queen's home. And he's uh, suiting up with, with Mia. Who is who's Mia? Speedy. 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 Oh, is it Speedy? Thank you. You hear a crash, a break-in down below, and it, it is Black Hand. First time we're seeing him in this book, and he's got his little Green Lantern detector, which will play in a lot in... Secret Origin. Many, you know, a couple of years later, you know, uh, after Sinister Core War, we'll learn more about that. And he's searching for something, searching for something, and he finds what he's looking for. It looks like he found. So while he goes to investigate the crash in his basement. He finds the Black Hand stealing something of of interest. It looks like he's found a Green Lantern ring, and turns out it was uh, it's Hal's. And of course, just as Ollie's stopping him, Hal shows up, and right before he he specters out to take care of it. There's a, a little glow right behind Hal, which we know now looks very much like the symbol for Parallax. 
You know, I, I completely missed me missed it the first time through, not knowing what that was. But of course, the specter must deliver vengeance, and the vengeance for the Black Hand is to give him a hand made of coal, which then crumples and leaves him with without a hand. Not Hal, definitely not Hal, definitely more the specter. Which, of course, this is going to uh, this is going to start uh, getting the rest of the Justice League involved because uh, you know Hal must be dealt with. He's done this crap before, and they're all remembering what happened with Coast City. They 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 still believe Hal was in his right mind. So we transition now to the Warriors Bar, where we find uh, Guy Gardner in all his glory with his shrine to the Green Lanterns. There is with his lantern bar stools and his Green Lantern mannequins up on the bar everyone's encasing glass except for his own which is also about twice as big as everybody else's uh even a little ganthet and glass down there as well but as they're just, just as they're talking something happens to to guy he completely hulks out and his skin starts to burn off of his off his bones until he literally explodes you know heading back to northern california and all of a sudden it looks like co city just appears out of nowhere i mean there bell reeve um, to Hector Hammond, another Hal Jordan classic. He's starting to react. Everybody seems to be reacting to something. Guy literally exploding. You see him at the on the on the watchtower base on the moon. Organs exposed. And this is for an all ages comic, pretty graphic. You have the combined forces, all the brains of the the Justice League and the Justice Society together, trying to figure out what happened to him. Batman's already trying to figure out uh, what's going on. It's 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 how he's crossing the line. You know, uh, down on Earth, you have. Power Girl and Wonder Woman investigating uh, the site of the explosion along with Flash, Mr. Terrific. The Alan Scott Green Lantern is there along with Jade, his daughter, um, investigating as well. Trying to figure out what's going on. Batman, again, it's Hal, it's him. I don't think Hal Jordan ever changed, John, he says. So he still doesn't believe what's going on. And this whole thing just drives John a little bit nuts. He's ready to take down, take down Bruce for the way he's talking about Hal. And again, we're seeing this effect in all the lantern, the green lantern we've met so far. Something's affecting them. Something, possibly what Kyle brought on Earth, which is what we'll, is what we'll find out later. And as Batman says, this is strike three. Face facts, John. The real Hal Jordan is back. And he's bringing the past with him. He's expecting a repeat of, of what happened at Cove City. A repeat of uh, the murdering Hal Jordan. And back to Ferris Aircraft, where Carol is still lamenting her losses, her choices that have been made, what have you, crying or sad over Hal's aircraft as it slowly starts to fix itself. And suddenly she has a fully repaired aircraft, a fully repaired airstrip. And there, standing in the, in the rain, is, is our boy Hal just saying simply, hello, Carol. And so ends issue one. Where shall we begin? I was just going to say what a good job this first issue does is setting up the distrust that people have of Hal on a lot of different levels. I mean, you have Batman, who's pretty much me as a reader. You know, I was very skeptical. I was just like, come on, man. Hal Jordan killed all those Green Lanterns, and he's been evil. How you know, how, how could he possibly be you know, redeemable to um, John and, and Guy, you know, at the baseball game, you know, friends and acquaintances, the little dialogue that they have. And uh, it's just really cool how this first issue, like you said, you came to it as a new reader, and it sets everything up about how, you know, here is this guy who's once the, one of the best and brightest, now he's distrusted even among his own you know superheroic brethren and uh it just does a good job of setting up you know where hal is right now in the dcu i like how the um crash that starts it off kind of mirrors abin Sora's crash when he finds hal you know it kind of it kind of reminded me i think it was meant to kind of mirror the scene a little bit um, i also wanted to mention that in props to van skyver I know they use reference for, you know, real world locations, but I don't think I've ever actually 
personally been at one of the locations that they use in the book, but I've been to Yankee Stadium a lot of times, and that's it. Like, yeah. <laughs> that... <laughs> that scene, um, you know, you have the big panel of John flying over with, with Guy in the construct. And then below that, you have like a shot from the parking lot. I've been in that parking lot. And, right. <laughs> and I've walked up with that view that you see on the next couple pages. So I just really appreciated the fact that they went and grabbed some reference. You know, I, I doubt it's easy to it's easy to get that overhead shot probably. But it's probably not that easy to get like a street level shot of the parking lot area you know what i mean so i just i don't know i just appreciated that and i guess i never did before like i said because i've never actually been at one of the places they were depicting so it struck me as really cool i'll say to be clear it, that was yankee stadium yeah did it make you feel nostalgic john uh this time it did yeah i was actually just thinking that that place <laughs> is gone now it's like a big hole in the ground oh is the stadium gone now yeah it's gone they, they ripped it down yeah, it was cool. It was nice to it was nice to see that again. It reminded me when I saw it the first time, and I was like, "Wow, he really nailed the, uh, the surrounding area and everything." I always liked how they tried to differentiate Kyle, you know, from pretty much from word go. In the past, all the Green Lanterns pretty much had same or very similar costumes, and when Kyle came in, they decided to mix it up a little bit and kind of put some of his personality into his costume. So he always looked different. I wasn't a big fan of the crab mask. But when they kind of redesigned him as Ion, I liked that a little little better. And I always liked the fact that his power battery was always different from everybody else's. You know, he always had kind of a more modern, high-tech-looking power battery. Even his um, logo on his chest is, is different, right? It's like everyone else always yeah. had the traditional, you know, two rectangles in a circle, right? Yeah, yeah. And even when he first became Green Lantern, it was it it, it was different. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like it was kind of that two tone tan and gray or tan and green, you know, kind of, or in black, it, it kind of had a, had a, had a, a different design to it on the logo itself. Now, Kyle, um, is Kyle the one that's the artist? Yes. Yes. Okay. So they've always made a, I shouldn't say always, I guess it must be John's because I think that's all I've read. They've made a point that like he con- constructs things differently than a lot of the other that's, lanterns and stuff. That, that's always been a part of his, character that was kind of one of the when he first became green lantern he didn't get he's almost like the great american hero he didn't get the instruction manual and the training and all that other kind of stuff it was you know gantt showed up and told him here here's your ring oh by the way there's a guy coming after so he pretty much had to learn on the fly when he first became gl so one of the things he did was he just kind of reverted back to what he knew which was art and design and, and all that kind of stuff. So his constructs mirrored a lot of what he what he knew, which was kind of cool because it was kind of a departure from the same stuff that we always saw from Guy and Hal and John. His constructs were noticeably different than we've seen in the past. Who can give me um, a little background on what happened to Guy after he got rid of the ring? Didn't he use a, a yellow ring for a period of time as well? He used Sinestro's yeah. ring. It was actually yeah, a that, ring. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna say like I, I for some reason I still seem to think that that's gonna come back to haunt everyone because with Blackest Night on the horizon, Parallax was you know separated into all four of the Earth Lanterns' power batteries, right? And Guys has the you know the Michigan's the Michigan Wolverines logo on it, which is yellow. And as we know, and as we saw on the Coast City sign. When we first meet Carol, it's, you know, yellow is the color of fear. And it says Coast City, you know, 25 miles, not anymore written in yellow. And I seem to think that guys, you know, uh, ego-driven, shall we say, tendencies, right? Tendencies. Because I mean, he is a hero, you know, 
are going to kind of, you know, come back and get the best of him at some point as Blackest Night gets closer, you know. I mean, with all the new laws of Oa and everything else, too. You know, Kyle's uh, guy's very much the question mark out of any of the four of the Earth Green Lanterns if it came down to who's, I guess, most susceptible, shall we say. So explain to me this his abilities now. My Voldarian powers laced in my genetics. They brought me back from the brink of death. You know what is it he can you know bulk up and these tattoos show up? Like what what's the he, deal with him now? What happened to him? He had the yellow ring, and in a fight with Parallax when when Hal was evil Parallax, his ring was destroyed. So Parallax crushed his ring and, and killed it, and there wasn't another like it. So left die powerless, and he'd already by that point turned down the Green Lantern ring. When he had the yellow ring, when the, the Guardians came back and were going to give uh, Kyle the ring, they went to Guy first. He turned it down. He didn't want anything. He didn't want to deal with it. So they gave it to Kyle. So Guy had the yellow ring, and then it was destroyed by Parallax. So he kind of was like a wandering soul. He had his own book at the time. He had his own monthly. And he kind of went on this, like, spirit walk or whatever you want to call it, or had some calling. He went into the Amazon. I think he heard some legend about a fountain that would give him power or something like that because he was desperate to, to, to still be that hero and still have that power. It's, I, I read it way back when, um, so I'm, I'm pulling from memory. He goes on this journey to the Amazon, drinks out of this, it was a chalice or something from this, this pool, and it activated some sort of alien DNA that had been implanted in his system or was a part of his system from years and years and years ago or from his ancestors or whatever, and it gave him this power where he could basically turn himself into any kind of weapon that he possibly could imagine. So if he wanted to basically turn his hand into a big old gun that blasted out energy, he could do it. And, it, you know, he could change basically his body shape and dimension, and then he could also turn it into, you know, stabbing, you know, type weapons, blunt weapons, that kind of thing. So he basically became a living weapon, only, you know, limited by his imagination. And then he he opened up Warriors, which was the bar. You know, he basically opened up his own, you know, Planet Krypton-type restaurant before, you know, Planet Krypton came around. And um, um, I guess it was right after we saw it kind of in uh, Kingdom Come. So that's kind of where Guy has been, just kind of his own his own guy doing his own thing. One thing I do want to comment on one before we, we move on too far is the whole scene with the black hand, because, I mean, that's going to play out through the whole thing in The Blackest Night, you know, the way the Spectre takes Hal's hand. But again, I pointed out when I went through the issue, when Hal shows up and as he's, you know, kind of turning into the Spectre, there is this energy behind him that that is, that's definitely the parallax emblem or what we now would think of as the Sinestro Corps logo. And yeah. that's, that. obviously we didn't know what that was at this point, so I had no idea, I missed it my first read through. And uh, going through it for this show, I, I, I'm like, it just jumps out at me now. So clearly the parallax is still a part of him. You know, it still impacts him in some way. Maybe Spectre helps keep it in check, but it's definitely it's definitely there. And we see one of the, the other things as we end, you know, kind of at the end of this issue that we'll see pretty much at the end of all six of these is they always they end with some like major character reveal on the last page. It's always like this full page full page spread of some character kind of making an appearance or, mm-hmm. or doing something dramatic. Um, that carries forth to all six issues. So I thought that was kind of an interesting way to do it, kind of that cliffhanger type type thing. And apparently, I said some, whatever Kyle brought back is impacting a lot of people, and, and that's possibly, I think, what imp- caused Guy's cells to explode. I'm wondering if it's going to help. It was just to get him ready for what's going to come going to come next. But as you said, we well, uh, you know, Ken, this is like the same thing that's happening in Rebirth right now, right? Something happens to. 
Baron and Wally and Bart and everybody else goes bonkers. And as far as Hector Hammond, I mean, he knows exactly what's going on, right? Like whenever something happens to the X-Men, who knows about it first? Professor X, right? Well, that's basically the DC equivalent right now is Hector. Right. You know, he's just kind of like this crazy overmind who, you know, can can sense these things. And it's in a few issues here where you're going to have the complete course correction of, you know, the Green Lantern universe that didn't happen for a long time. It's like every, the players, it's almost like, what do they say? Like the, the pieces are in the right positions. The players are ready to play. Yep. You know, that that's what, you know, the, the next couple of, you know, sequences and stuff, especially with Guy. It, and you can't overlook, you know, the horror aspect that Ethan includes in the times, you know, in his DC work. Uh, Ethan included like a double down tearing his face off in Iron Heights, and then guys, like, guts are spilling all over the place. You look at the covers to Ethan's uh, 52 Aftermath Horseman, and you got, like, the hyenas, like, eating the bones and all this crazy stuff. I mean, I, I mean, Blackest Night and, you know, Flash Rebirth with Savitar and everybody else getting creamed. I mean, there's always that, that cleanliness of, like, a Brian Bullen pencil, but still real, what I would consider, like, the horror aspect of comics, just, like, these crazy ghoulish deaths or black hands uh hand getting you know melted away is very much a part of it because you know hey it's the spirit of vengeance and irony is certainly not lost in this guy he must have read the inferno by dante <laughs> issue number two kind of starts us off with a little bit of a of a backtrack on this on the history of what oa is and the central power battery and talks about the impurity that the guardians finally learned and then we see the kind of a something coming out of the central power battery they're looking for for Kyle Rayner. And then we cut to Kyle Rayner still out in the desert after his crash landing. And the two passerbys come trying to come to his aid. Then, of course, we cut back to where we left off in issue one, where we have Hal and Carol having a conversation. And in the midst of this, we kind of get these flashbacks to, you know, what we know as Hal's origin. Or Hal is a very young child um, meeting Carol, watching his father die as a test pilot. And Hal talking about how that's affected him and how it still affects him to this day. So then we come back to them, Carol and, and Hal in the rain, and he mentions how he needs to find a way back. That it, you know, what's going on with him is not him, and he really wants to, to make it back to the living world. So then we cut back to the watchtower where we have Ollie talking to John, and Ollie still has the Hal's ring. And then we see Zatanna and Batman and Superman trying to find out where he is and trying to locate him so they can they can take care of him because at this point they still feel like he's at the center of all of it. So then we, we see Alan Scott and Jade at, in the Watchtower, or at the, at the JSA headquarters, I'm sorry, and they're trying to find out if they can help what's going on with Guy. They, they're trying to help, help out. And again, Alan Scott kind of reiterates the fact that even though he's a Green Lantern, he doesn't have any official connection to the Green Lantern Corps. You know, he's he's connected by name and not by you know not in reality that his mag his ring is based on magic and not science. So again, another way to just kind of quickly nod to the fact that yes, he is a Green Lantern, but no, he's not a part of this you know fraternity that the rest of them are in. Then we cut back to Hal and Carol again, and you know they they kind of have their moment where Carol reiterates the fact that she's married. You know she thought Hal was gone and she's moved on. Um, and then boom, lo and behold, Justice League shows up and they're here to take care of Hal. And we see John start to kind of wig out a little bit from what's going on. He turns on the Justice League and makes an attack against them. And then we see Hal turn back into the Spectre. 
and he starts getting very conflicted at this point where we see, and this will go on for a while now, where we see Hal splitting and combining into separate personalities where they're all trying to, you know, basically one of them is trying to become the, the dominant personality, as, as we'll see. And then we see Ollie holding up the Green Lantern ring. We see it split in half. And then it takes off. Then we cut over. We have a big old uh, splash of light where Martian Manhunter is. And at the end, er, and then we, we see that the ring split itself and went to Guy Gardner, who is now back as a Green Lantern after a very, very, very long hiatus. So again, we cut back to Kyle, who's kind of regaining consciousness. And we see Kilowog show up and starts attacking Kyle for what is apparently no reason at all. And then at the very end, we find out the big reveal of the, of the issue that it was, in fact, Hal Jordan's parallax body that was in the coffin, and we see Ganthet at the very at the very last page. So this one was kind of like the typical setup issue, where a lot of exposition, a lot of setting up the pieces to where they'll show up later on. So, so Kilowog is going after Kyle because Kyle has the body. Is that right? And Kilowog's like working, you know, with Ganthet or for Ganthet? Well, there comes a point where Parallax, just because of his attachment to Hal for so long and, you know, vis-a-vis the central power battery, that everyone turns against Hal. So it's like Parallax, I mean, if you look at the Zero issue that was included in the hardcover and trade, if you look at the Zero issue, uh, it's, you know, the things that you know, are being chanted is like parallax infects, parallax is coming, yada, 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 right? So like Kilowog and, you know, the boys and stuff, they they are not, you know, entirely like immune to this. It's almost if they're in proximity and especially when parallax was unchecked, you know what I mean? Then it totally had an effect on them. Okay, so Kilowog's just acting crazy because of the whole parallax thing. Yeah, he's going yeah. a little yeah. berserk here. Yeah, because Ganthet yeah. will find, well, fine, we don't know this yet, but Ganthet sent Kyle, I believe, on this mission, and that's why he's protecting Hal's body. He right. Could, he kind of knows so. Is he right. definitely wasn't an agent of, of Ganthet. And, um, yeah, it's not explicit that Kilowog's not in his right mind, um, but he's clearly under some influence like John is and, like, maybe what, what's going on with Guy. And this is what I was asking before about, you know, why did Guy explode at all? You know, was it a reaction with the ring or Parallax or whatever to kind of purge him of that, that alien... DNA process, whatever it was, so that he could become a Green Lantern again. I don't know if that's it. That was just kind of what I was reading into it. Yeah, I almost took it as he was being purged so he could gain, get the ring back and right. then be used by Parallax. I guess that's why I guess it, it isn't explicitly said one way or the other, so I guess one interpretation is just as, as mm-hmm. viable as the other. But this is where, you know, again, we talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but this is where, to me, after reading Secret Origin and then going back and reading Rebirth, I'm like, holy crap, you know, John's I mean, these panels are almost exact. I mean, obviously, they're not drawn by... I think they may even pull the Van Skyver art in Origin. I need to... I, I should look at my, my hardcover. But this, I thought, was just um, awesome that they... When, when, when Ivan did that, they referenced it, but it wasn't a complete lift. Some of the, some of the Secret Origin stuff for us was done from different angles, but it was totally true to what happened in the um, rounded... How, how can I put this? The rounded square flashback panels. Right. Like when yeah. you see Sinestro's yeah. neck being broke, and that was also carried over to Barry's flashbacks recently in Rebirth. This, this is definitely going towards, uh, it all points towards John's uh, long-term writing, his, his, the way he plots out these stories. I mean, their stuff, he, he knew here what he was planning for 
not only into Sinister Cold War, but into after it, into Blackest Night, and, and which we already know reading interviews with him today. But when you go back, knowing what you know now, reading stuff like this, it's like, oh my gosh. I mean, it's like, you're right. Everything jives up. And there's a reason for it. It's just how it's been planned. Yeah. And the, to, these scenes, we'll see that, you know, it jumps back and forth three or four times. But these scenes in the rain with Hal and Carol, and then later on with the just, I think that, again, Van Skyver's art just shines to be able to pull this off. And it just looks, it just looks so good. I just really like the way that he, I'm sure for an artistic choice, it probably wasn't an easy thing to have to have to draw this kind of a scene. But I think he just pulled it off really, really well. Been jumping around. This kind of answered one of my questions, but still not all of them regarding Alan Scott when he makes a mention of how, you know, my ring is based in magic, not science. It's, okay, fine, it's, it's, it's based in magic, not science, but what is it? You know, I asked this question earlier about, uh, on the forums, about where does Alan Scott tie into, you know, Green Lantern specifically, and like they said, he's been tied in, uh, in, in some specific issues earlier on, but here it's saying, no, just a name, that's it. Yeah, it, it's really like uh, Kindred Spirits. You know, when, when Martin Adele, you know, created the engineer that is Alan Scott, I mean, and of course, you know, you had Barry and then you had Hal come in during the Silver Age and stuff. They're, I mean, other than Jade and her hosting of the Ion Power, which, you know, when, when she gets killed, she passes it on to Kyle. Like, there's a not, there is not a lot of mythology. I mean, other than camaraderie that's you get from JSA and, you know, this book. Like, there's not really a lot of ties that bind with Alan Scott, although still, you know, a, a pretty cool character. Yeah, didn't Alan Scott go by the name of uh, Guardian or something for a Sentinel. while? to try- Sentinel, thank you, to differentiate him from Kyle Rayner um, when they're trying to rebrand Kyle Kyle is the new Green Lantern. He lost his eye for a while and had that patch on, too. Yeah, I think his ring is made of the star heart or something. It's some sort of mystic artifact, or, but it has like nothing to do with uh, the Green Lantern Corps. And it's like we were saying on our, our New Frontier episode not too long ago, you know, the origin kind of reflects the times. I mean, back in the 30s, you know, the Green Lantern, was ba- his powers are based on magic. In the, you know, the 60s and Silver Age with Hal, his are based on science fiction. You know, it's more of a reflection of uh, what was popular at the time. Yeah, and that's gone back and forth, too. Like, if you look at the asteroid that mutated Vandal Savage, you know, that's been linked to Grodd, which, uh, um, you know, in some people's interpretations has also been linked to Hector Hammond, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the Starheart's kind of like the Guardian's other mistake as far as plotting and scheming how it all works. You know, and there's one of these, uh, what I'm just going to say, folklorish. It will be, you know, te- uh, it will be tried to use three times, and if it, you know, it'll work on the third time for whoever's worthy, kind of like the whole sword and the stone spiel. But, you know, this, the second mistake being the Manhunters and their destruction of uh, Sector 666 and their ultimate taking over of the original sector called the Blackest Night, which is Sector 3001, where Hank Henshaw's at right now. Yeah, I, I think in John's, you know, writing JSA, one of the things he's done there is he's, I think, further tried to differentiate Alan from Hal or from the core in that I think in the forwards and the in the hardcovers they it says like Alan Scott Green Lantern keeper of the eternal flame or keeper of the green flame or it's it's worded somewhere like that and when they show him using his powers in those books the green almost takes on kind of this flamey effect when he uses it as well it kind of gets like this this flame aura around him so he's He's even in that book, you know, kept trying to push the the further differentiation of the of the two sets of characters as well. One of the things, just 
to, again, to, to go back to the art, when you look like right past the halfway point, you get the, it, it's, it's the, it's almost kind of like a double, it's like a two page spread sort of on the top half where you get the league showing up with her, uh, Hal and Carol. And I just think that's, that's just awesome. Uh, the way he's drawn the lead, just all kind of circling around him. And you get the Batman up in the top with the cape and the lightning in the background. And then you get Wally, you know, with the lightning circling around him. Any other comments for number two? No, I think I'm good. Carol's Carol's wearing violet, which is going to telegraph her rejoining of the Star Sapphires oh, later very, on. Very good. I missed that. Although at this point, Hector Hammond's word bubbles are not yet orange, which I still think he's going to be part of Agent Orange at some point agree, down the yeah. road. It's see- got, I mean, that's hot. I was really disappointed that it didn't happen, but I like Larflees. He's pretty cool. So, <laughs> Now, did the Green Lantern Corps relaunch, had it started yet at this point? No. Uh, Recharge the, started the- alongside of uh, the Green Lantern number one, I believe, yep. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Like five-issue arc, I believe. Green, Green Lantern Corps is like a couple issues behind the main title, only because they had two titles come out on the same month during Sinestro Core War, and they're going to have two GL titles come out during Blackest Night in the same month, too. So, I mean, they've been running neck and neck, John, but, like, it's, it, it's uh, like I said, pretty close race between the two. I only and, still, asked- and, 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 and as far as the sales numbers goes, they're pretty consistently the same, too. Right. You know, give and take, that whole, that whole business. I only ask because, you know, Guy has, like, a big entrance when he... You know, he's got a full-page splash when he gets the ring and he gets his Green Lantern status back, I guess. And then, you know, two pages later, you have a huge Kilowog page. And I was just wondering if, like, this was their big return. You hadn't seen a lot of them recently, or did this tie in with the core book getting getting started up? And Kilowog wasn't new at this point, right? He'd been around? Yeah, yeah he'd been around for a long time. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm not sure on the specifics of the origins. I, I didn't read a lot of that, so how the core actually got back together. I know Kyle played an instrumental part in, mm-hmm. in trying to start that core, the rebuild of the core. And I think before this started, I think in the solo book, I think they kind of started planting the seeds for a lot of that. And you found out that Kilowog was still alive and, and things like that. That all is going to spin out of, out of rebirth. Like I said, as Green Lantern, what we'll, we'll called volume four, you know, the Hal, Hal's book starts off with uh, issue, issue number one. Many of these other supporting characters, Kyle, Kilowog, Ganthet, uh, they'll go off to Green Lantern, core recharge which i think was a five issue arc which was all about the rebuilding of the core itself and then eventually that spun into its own title green lantern core so if you want to know how the core came back green lantern recharge gotcha so it's the standoff between kilowog and the guardian ganthet now um ganthet has survived the original crisis on infinite earths and he also survived the purging of the other guardians and he has yet to um birth uh the guardian babies which will happen um later on at the end of this book so like kilowog uh lets loose on him and then uh ganthet returns the favor so i'm looking at uh the spread where ganthet basically blows kilowog out of the world here this is the first dc i guess i'm gonna call it like the style guide to how the guardian's powers work the guardian's powers are always kind of seen from here on out as these kind of like just circular balls of energy Whereas, like, you know, the GLs have the beams and stuff like that. The Guardians kind of let this kind of, like, string of pearls barrage um, fly out. So Kyle's fighting this yellow impurity, this infection, this parasite. And you can see his arm slowly turning into uh, the parallax uniform. 
So it seems as though that what we know to be parallax now um, can infect multiple people at once. So we jump then to how he's walking around Coast City. He's getting flashbacks of, uh, you know, him and when he was uh, first got the ring and coming in late after a wild night with the chicks. He finds his battery actually um, in his old apartment at 22 Seaview and Parallax is talking to him. Kilowog eventually snaps out of it. Kyle goes up to the watchtower, finds Ollie, and everybody else is, you know, down for the count because of the explosion from Guy. And then, like Russ was talking about earlier, we find, like, the internal struggle of how manifests with Hal Jordan versus the Parallax versus the Spectre. And Ollie, who also wears the color of green, which is uh, willpower, representatively, is told the story from Kyle that he found something on the edge of the universe, something from, it says, on the 10th planet from the sun, uh, Pegalus. Now, something that far out in the sectors probably had to have been as old as uh, Maltus, which is where we get Krona and the Zamorans and Ganthet and all of the other guardians. But basically from what Kyle's able to make out of cave art, which we also see in Flash Rebirth, and since Kyle's an artist, he's pretty good at picking this stuff up too, right? Is that uh, an ancient entity, this yellow entity made of living fear, more or less uh, terrorized and gave the old romp or stomp treatment to all these ancient civilizations and you know brought them, crippling them to their knees. The Guardians created the power battery essentially around Parallax in which he was imprisoned by. And, you know, no one could really penetrate this yellow, impu- uh, like, if Hal or, or one of the other lanterns, like uh, Tomar Ray, was to go up against, you know, a bulldozer and it was yellow, they'd have a really, really hard time with it and probably wouldn't succeed because Parallax was infecting the rings through the central power battery. And then we have, you know, what Jim and everybody was talking about earlier was when uh, Hal started to get gray hair in the fight versus Mongol and the destruction of the other corpsmen, and which kind of brings us to the conclusion here that the Guardians decided that their best weapon against Hal was the other greatest Green Lantern of all time, which was to release Sinestro from the power battery. Hal snapped Sinestro's neck, apparently killing him, even though they gave um, Sinestro the ring back, and Hal just you know goes berserk as parallax. And the, the struggle between those guys continues. He says the parallax lives. And then basically all he gets to the point where he's asking Kyle, well, like what's exactly, how's this all happening? If this is some ancient entity and it was in this power battery and then it wasn't and whatnot, how is this all happening? And Kyle says, well, someone woke it up. And here you have the awesomest two-page sequence in all of comic history. Ollie says, well, who the hell woke it up? And then a voice off-panel says, who woke it up? Who could, who would? And then you see Sinestro, full-page splash, brothers. And he says, who else? And he's got Hal and he's got Ollie at bay. A very, very cool ending. And I would also add, before we jump into things, I'd like to know what you guys think. So Hal breaks Sinestro's neck. And then if you look at Flash Rebirth, way back in the day, Barry was put on trial for snapping Professor Zoom's neck. And here you have that same story almost as the hero being villainized. And look who Barry's up against right now in Flash Rebirth. It's the reverse Flash Professor Zoom. So some really, really, not just by panel layout or things affecting other people, but like the similarities between these two rebirth stories are pretty, pretty scary. 
but very cool nonetheless to find those things. Well, you define a good hero with a good villain, obviously. I mean, Batman is well-defined by the Joker. You know, Spider-Man is well-defined by the Green Goblin. And by bringing Sinestro out, you're going to more uh, readily define Hal because it was Hal, Sinestro's Hal's greatest uh, Oh, You know, I mean, after training, then Sinestro was the one who, who trained Hal. So, I mean, you know, what more fitting, you know, a villain to have in, you know, Rebirth of, of Green Lantern. One of the things that I love about this issue, and it was the thing that bothered me about Green Lantern, reading the reprints from, from the 60s and 70s, was always about how his uh, ring would have trouble uh, against things that are yellow. I just thought that was the dumbest thing ever. I mean, I could go up to him wearing a rubber ducky raincoat and kick his butt because he can't get me because I'm in a yellow, you know, slicker, you know what I mean? But reading this and, and seeing you know, a writer of John's caliber come through and say, okay, this is why, you know, here is why, you know, yellow has had, um, you know, this kind of hold over the, the power of the green lantern or whatever, and to have it actually make sense and not only make sense, but open up a whole new Avenue for, you know, a whole bunch of, uh, of great stories. I mean, it just goes to, you know, goes to show how, you know, how talented he really is. Yeah. I was saying before about how, uh, John's doing this, uh, this retcon, uh, without contradicting anything, I mean, here's a case where he's he's taking what was put up before and really fleshing it out. Because I mean, that's the exact language that's used. The metal in the battery has an impurity that renders renders it ineffective against yellow. You know, so he's using that same language, the impurity in the battery, to define uh, what Parallax's uh, impact was. You know, this is how the rings work, and I will guarantee you, by the end of Rebirth, we're going to know how the Speed Force works. I'll be very welcome. Change possibly, possibly, yeah. Whenever I see the yellow stuff or when they talk about the impurity and, and Green Lantern being ineffective against yellow, I always think of Frank Miller's All-Star Batman. Did you guys read that? Where Batman just starts dumping white, uh, yellow paint on everything when Green, no. when Green Lantern shows up. No, yeah, no. it's kind of like a yeah. wacky Frank Miller moment. Like he just, you know, the, the Batman in All-Star Batman is kind of like crazy. You know, he's a crazed guy and the league is coming to talk to Batman and Robin about how he's acting or whatever. And he starts dumping cans of yellow paint all over the, and like painting everything yellow. <laughs> they paint each other and they offer him lemonade. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love the, uh, the <laughs> opening. Cool. I say, I love the opening fight with Kilowog against, uh, Ganthic. Cause I mean, here's Kilowog. He is like bearing down. He's going to give everything he's got. And, and Ganthic just looks at him like, please really? And just puts him down. That was just you really see the power what the power of a guardian is. You think you got you've got it going on having this little ring on your finger. Is Kilowog always drawn with um lantern pupils? Did you guys notice that? You know, it's not just him. I mean you saw That's the effect of the ring though. That's that's yeah. that's the ring, not like oh, okay, the so it's not just him. Later on when you see how the fear is taking over Hal, you see through the mask he's got yellow pupils. You know, so you say it's a, it's effect of whatever emotion you if you will, that's that's impacting him, or in this case is parallax. Yeah, like the Black Guardian or Scar will have like the Black Hand logos in her eyeballs. Like that's basically in lieu of <laughs> I'm really evil, you know, or like I'm getting I'm getting crazy here, you know. That's right. that's, that that's like a, a a narrative cheat. I'm gonna say it's kind of like the um, the androids in Blade Runner uh, how their eyes glow, like just kind of tells you who's a who's who. That type of thing. Yeah. 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 All right. So it was Coast City recreated like its basic infrastructure before this or are we seeing it being recreated right here that's it all right this is the recreation right here okay yeah like something out of nothing like really like that's it boom so i know we talked before about that's what he had wanted to do which is why he went to oa to get the power and and completely turned into parallax or at least this representation of parallax this this uh, manifestation of him 
So he never actually fulfilled that mission, though. He never actually restored Coast City no. until here. Right. Yeah, it never happened prior. One of the things I love about the, you know, the yellow impurity, and they did this when Kyle came back in. Kyle didn't have the, the limitation of the yellow impurity when he was given the ring at all. And I guess now it makes sense because Parallax was not in the battery to make it impure. Right. Um, since he was a right, separate entity. He still had, like, crazy enemies, though, like Nero, who, you know, had, like, yellow, yellow projections and stuff. And, like, John Sewer had the same, like, difficulties. It was against yellow objects because, like, he was tainted. Well, yeah, and that, that, that yeah. and all you the other look at, thing. Like, mosaic or anything? Yeah, see, the other thing Kyle mentioned, I remember reading one of those early stories with Kyle. Uh, I think it was Superman who commented, like, you just stopped that truck. He's like, yeah. He's like, you, you, you're not supposed to be able, to be able to impact anything with yellow or whatever the words he used. And he's like, well, no one told me that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. kind of where, where John's at. You know, it, it's, it's still, you, right, John's still tainted by it, but also he, it's still, it's in his head. It's like, I can't impact yellow. So his will is failing him because he believes he can't impact anything yellow. And now as we're going to finish Rebirth, not to give too much away because, you know, we've read it, but now that they understand what Parallax is, they can respond to it and over, they'll be able to overcome yellow now as well. In fact, they even refer to it in yeah, the Lantern Core about how, yeah, it's a rookie thing. You've got to learn to overcome that on your own. Yeah, it's, it's like an obstacle, not a, not a limitation. And they, and we even they even talk about that when we get in later on in the in the regular when we get into Secret Origin right. where that's his big deal is nobody believed that he was able to get past Yellow. But in that moment, he you know, he needed he, it to happen so badly that he was able to get past it. Yeah, this must have been from an art perspective a really I, I just see this as a very tough one for for Van Skyver to draw. I mean, just taking a lot of time. There's so much detail and so much craziness you know going on with all these weird parallax conch constructs and you know what Ganfit is conjuring and you know just all these it, it just seems like there's in all this maybe the coloring too there's all this you know all these variations of green that are are flowing around everywhere and all these crazy uh, constructs and the the two howls splitting each other and everything else there's just there's just so much detail you know I was talking with uh, with it's Tom okay, Dr- I was talking with Tom Drank over the weekend and we're talking about uh, about just flash and stuff in general but we're talking about how the way how God, we have. The way Ethan, you know, draws the aura around Hal or now Flash with the the lightning bolts or the or just the green aura effects, or the badge kind of hovering a couple inches above his chest, like it's like he's lit up, ready to go. And he's like, "Yeah, you know, Ethan is great. He looks really good, but man, we really hate that guy sometimes." He's like, "What are you doing?" Because he does this great stuff, but then we've all now got it. Yeah, great. You'll do it for like six issues, and now we've got to do it for like the next ten years. Thanks, pal. <laughs> Don't help. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it, it's 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 pretty amazing, and I like how that there's this understanding of like self correction because like I had a real problem. I was like, who is Hector Hammond when I first saw it? Because like I thought that was Sinestro for some reason, because with having zero experience, yeah, I did you know, too. Jumping into that, I was like, what, yeah. what's the deal with Sinestro? Does he, right. does he have a mustache, Hector yeah. Hammond? Yeah, yeah. yeah. he was he was yeah, everything. Yeah. That Sinestro is, except a bigger head and not purple. And Sinestro has a big head. Actually, if you look at that very last splash page with Sinestro and the bow and arrow, Mm -hmm. um, I forget the name of the dude who owns the original of this piece, but when he bought the piece, like this inked version that you see in front of you right now is nothing like the original. Because the original Sinestro's head, I'm not exaggerating, I'll post this on the forums, Sinestro's head is literally... Uh, twice that size above his eyebrows like it was 
exaggerated in such a huge manner that like but i mean like that was the in fairness so that was the original design for him you know what i mean it was yeah i mean like you can't tell me now that if they knew the full extent of you know that he he's got you know hair plugs in obviously for sinestro <laughs> core war but i mean like sinestro's head no joke was like twice that size that you're looking at and it's crazy to look at too but I mean, you can tell um, from the original page that, like, it's been redrawn three or four times. I mean, it was just a hard thing to nail down. I mean, don't forget, like, these characters haven't been seen for years on end. Talk about Cat Matui, right? Well, <laughs> you know, the same thing, you know, is true for Sinestro. I mean, there's flashbacks and this and that. But, I mean, this is a process. It's not just, I'm going to draw Sinestro now. It's, okay, well, let's set the tone as well when you have a project like this. That's a miniseries that they have time to breathe on. And that's set apart from continuity until it's ready to be a monthly. Until it's ready to be a monthly, you know? So issue four, we start off with Sinestro uh, attacking in the Watchtower, attacking Green Arrow and Kyle. So we get a few pages of of that battle and some interesting uh, things going on where Kyle's creating a a green shield and we see that Sinestro is able to penetrate through and destroy the construct and pretty much effortlessly and Green Arrow and Kyle are kind of on the run, and then we see Parallax-type entity taking shape um, in this fight against them. Then we cut back to Coast City, where Hal slash the Parallax has come back and is starting to kind of rain destruction across everything, and then we see Guy and John Stewart, who are obviously possessed by the Parallax entity uh, due to the fact that they have the yellow eyes streaming down fighting against against Gantt, and then Gantt's able to kind of snap them out of it, and they realize that between Gantt, Kilowog, John, and Guy, that they need to go after Parallax and and fight him. And then, of course, the Justice League appears in the background, thanks to Dr. Fate, and a big old brawl is getting ready to ensue. Then we come back to the Watchtower, we get more of um, Sinestro fighting with Kyle, and we see that Ali is going to make an attempt to use the ring and try and recite the oath, and he fails miserably. And then we get Sinestro having Kyle pinned down, and Sinestro pretty much laughs off the fact that Ali has the ring and is intending to use it against him. And then we get a scene of an interesting uh, page of Ali with the ring constructing a green arrow and kind of this flamey-type Green Lantern symbol on his chest starting to form, and Sinestro almost kind of laughs at him, even though the arrow, it looks like the arrow has pierced him through um, front to back, and Ollie kind of gets the last laugh as the, the arrow explodes, because it wasn't just a regular green arrow construct, that it was an exploding green arrow. So Ollie get Kyle, and they start to, to head off, and then we cut back to the Justice League slash JSA fighting Parallax and trying to contain him, and then we see Parallax, Hal, and it looks like two two entities of uh, Parallax being split in half and Hal making his way out and the Spectre kind of stepping in as well. So we get this weird, huge panel of Parallax in the background and a large copy or a, a large uh, Spectre showing up. And then we see that Hal has kind of sort of split himself off from the Spectre. He's kind of floating around and he wants to destroy Parallax. And the Spectre pretty much tells Hal, don't order me around. And at this point, the Spectre decides it's time to move on. And he leaves Hal and splits himself from him. So then we get this kind of near-death experience that Hal has where he sees <laughs> the fallen fallen warriors 
as he's moving towards the light and sees his dad and has a little bit of a conversation, and his dad pretty much tells him, you are the Green Lantern, this is what you are, now you know, go back home. We cut back to Sinestro battling Kyle and Ollie some more. We see the ring fly off of Ollie's hand, head towards the coffin that's been laying out there. And then, of course, we see the the corpse of Hal Jordan, gray hair and all, laying down. And as the ring gets on his finger, we see the gray hair move away more and more in this blinding light as Sinestro looks on. And we get the last panel reveal of Hal Jordan back as Green Lantern, for the first time in many, many years. I just wanted to say this issue had my favorite line in it from the entire series, where uh, the Green Arrow is astonished to find out how much it, how much will it takes to power the ring. And he's like, uh, I can't, the exact line is, is it that hard? And Kyle is like, every time. And Ali just looks down and goes, damn. I mentioned before about the way uh, Ethan draws the uh, oars around the different lanterns, and the, the page with uh, Guy and uh, John, you know, heading down into the battle where you have the the the, the light of uh, parallax coming from their eyes, you really see the difference in the two of them. You know, guy's always been this this wild card, ready to go off at a moment's notice. Like his ring was always constantly sparking with power, trying to get loose. And you see that in his aura. It's just like this jagged, just like you know, just exuding power. Meanwhile, you have the engineer the, uh, of John. And his his aura is is this construct that's surrounding him, and and you'll you'll even see it in his contracts. He, constructs he'll build later. I mean, to the point where you can see every it's built from like the core up. It's you'll see every screw, every bolt that would make up whatever he's trying to have his ring present. So very methodical. He's he's an architect, so that makes total sense. Right, and and just to see the two, the yeah. difference in these two on the same page like that, it's, it's just striking and, and really really well done. He gives it a great three-dimensional feel. Hal's little sequence where his, I guess, his spirit is flying, you know, with his arms out, and he's talking to his dad, and he's talking to everybody. Uh, it just reminded me of the big Lebowski. But <laughs> uh, it's knocked out, and he's flying through the air, like knocking bowling pins over and stuff. Anyway. Um, Arisia, who's right between Tomar and Abin Sur, she's not dead. She's being held captive by Hank Henshaw with the other last Lost Lanterns. So, like, there's just a, a tiny little thing that they changed, which is cool. I mean, she's kind of a cool character. With well, some, this yeah, could be as much now. of a, a vision as everything yeah. else, you know. Yeah, this, is just, this isn't necessarily what's really out there. It's just what's been his mind, because he believes these people to be dead, you know, just as his dad. So this can just be a subconscious, you know, reacting to him. It doesn't necessarily have to be, really be their spirits talking to him. Well, with the Spectre, I kind of think it is. But Spectre's gone. Spectre, the Spectre took off. He's going to meet up with uh, Crispin. No, I mean, with the fact that the Spectre exists and they're acknowledging that he is, like, God's vengeance, I, I think it is. Yeah, maybe. I think it's the real deal. Uh, you know, but, like, I mean, Martin Jordan, the Spectre of Martin Jordan, you know, still haunts Hal. You know, Martin is, uh, how's Bruce, uh, yeah, Bruce, Thomas and Martha Wayne. They just, he just didn't get shot in an alley after watching Zorro. He, you know, his plane went down. You know, and, and Sinestro uses that against him throughout the course of the next how many issues, too. Him and Black Hand fight next to Martin Jordan's grave in, you know, issue five or six, whenever Simone was uh, doing those issues, too. So, I mean, you know, Martin, Martin's one of the linchpins here. And just as much as it seems that Barry's mom and dad are linchpins into the whole Flash Rebirth thing. The cool thing about it is uh, page 22, the very last page of this issue, when House stands up and says, uh, get the heck away from him. That's hanging up in uh, Jeff John's uh, writing studio with Jeff Loeb, the empathic treehouse. It's, uh, that's, you know, Jeff's got that to look at you know, whenever he writes 
some Green Lantern or some JSA in the past, and it's pretty awesome that that's in his office. I just love how, you know, we see the gray hair going away at the end, and what, one of the things I guess, you know, we found out from the last issue was all this time you just figure that was DC's way, and I'm sure at the time that's what they were doing, was that was DC's way of kind of aging Hal, I guess, to show that, you right. know, time is passing, so he's getting older. And I just thought it was awesome that, you know, it was never explicitly said. So now Jeff Johns is saying he should have noticed something that he was going great, you know, great prematurely. And, and so they, I love how they, you know, we mentioned it early on, but they've tied that into the whole, again, they, they were able to take this, with this miniseries, they were able to tie up all the loose ends, make it, have everything make sense, and bring it all back to a good basis for what they've been doing for the last, you know, five years now. I'd like to thank Ethan for drawing Diana. Yeah, yeah. And then that's why I love the moment where Ollie is kind of battered, bruised, laying on the floor, and he goes, he goes arrows aren't going to do much but this. This might. And he you know, reaches out for the battery, and he goes, In brightest day and blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who, who, crap, how the hell did the rest of? And he goes, clank. You know, he just, he, he totally, as much as he's been around Hal and probably heard that <laughs> both recited 50 billion times, he can't, you know, he can't remember. It's almost like Bruce Campbell in uh, Army of Darkness where, you know, the old man tells him 50 times, Klaatu, Varada, Nikto, and when he gets to the thing, it's, you know, he starts to cough and everything else. So I just thought that was hilarious. It's very Ollie, you yeah. know, forgetful, yeah. not paying attention to other what's important to other people. And, you know, like you said, how many times has he heard it? But he's probably never really paying yeah. attention or putting much thought into it or whatever. But again, it's it's the intent that that matters because I guess he's still uh, he's still getting it charged. Yeah, the, the lantern's still reacting to it. To damage. And uh, I like how uh, Sinestro kind of lays out what happened to him. He he's learned how to control the fear. I bleed fear, and then just looks at them. What do you bleed? <laughs> pure pure evil. Noticeably in the John's Volume Four run so far, while you know Hal and Sinestro's relationship has been explored, and you see how turning uh, Sinestro over to the Guardians and Secret Origin and stuff like that, you never actually see how Sinestro kind of like got a stranglehold on Korrigar and the rest of his sector. And I'm wondering if they're saving like that scene of the past for something, you know, Blackest Night or possibly even post-Blackest Night because I just thought it was interesting that, you know, you know, and Sinestro and Hal are great at being self-referential about like how Hal basically like turned him over <laughs> Um, like they haven't really shown like what exactly it is that Sinestro did. Not the specifics. You know, we get the gist no, of no, it, no. how he rules with an iron yeah, fist yeah. and all that. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the the curtain to be pulled up on that to really see like the inner workings of how like completely totalitarian and messed up things were way back when. Because I mean, you know, Korrigar, they call him Sinestro the Wicked, and every like you know the the going story is. I mean, Kat Matui had his ring, and now Sernik uh, Natu has his ring. And as legend has it, you know, Sinestro's Green Lantern ring is cursed. And I know for a fact that, you know, that's got to have, now that it's been revealed that Natu's his daughter, that's totally going to play into the uh, generational aspect of DC's heroes, even though we've probably suspected it for a long time. Yeah, as soon as, as, soon as they said, you know, as soon as the Red Lantern said something about, you know, your daughter, I'm like, oh, no, it's her. Yeah, that just seems so Spoiler obvious. Alert. Yeah, we spoil this already. I mean, his real distaste for uh, Kyle is seen here. I mean, he calls him Alley Rat because that's that's where he got the ring. You know, he wasn't you know gifted. The ring didn't you know uh, um, search for him for days. I mean, he was. He's the one who know, was there. Not not that unlike Jason Todd discovering you know the Batmobile you know in an alley and 
that's kind of like where Kyle kind of came into the picture on things. I mean, you know, in the back streets and stuff like that. I mean, talk about right place, right time. But it was, but it's because of you know who Kyle is that speaks more volumes than you know being in an alley. But the rivalry between Sinestro and Kyle is seen here, I think, best. I mean, Sinestro doesn't even move his hands. He's just like, oh no, forget it, you know, and starts blowing things up with his arms folded. You can't help but be like, well, someone's got a vendetta, you know. I mean, he doesn't view Kyle as worthy by any stretch of the imagination at all. Period. Done. End of sentence. You know. Space battle. So Hal's back, and Kyle's just kind of like, I can't believe it. He's back. You know, it's Hal Jordan. You know, they've never really, you know, met before. And um, Sinestro just completely knocks Hal the freak out of the park through the watchtower, and he's kind of like bouncing on the moon. Sinestro tears after him, and Hal does a quick power check with um, his ring. And, you know, this scene kind of reminds me of uh, Wally. Even I know this came out before, but it's kind of like you just see kind of like red and green, just kind of like dancing in space. And it's kind of like, you know, figure skating or something like that, that they're just kind of, you know, dancing, uh, you know, in the stars. Isn't that a show? But um, how, you know, uh, let Sinestro have it with a couple good shots. And, you know, they're arguing about what Hal's afraid of and the fact that Sinestro's biggest victory is showing everyone that Hal is just as capable. I mean, th- that's that's the real reveal here, that Sinestro's plan is to let everyone know that he's just as weak and, you know, capable of, of being a murderer. And then we get the flashback of when they first met, and Sinestro's mantra basically has never challenged those more powerful than you. And Hal's response when he first gets the ring, when he first gets the ring, you know, is, you know, that's, that's not going to work. It's just not going to work at all. The two are flying past Saturn, and in the asteroid belt, we've got a pretty cool scene here. Now, I was able to snag the page next to Saturn. It's got um, Sinestro saying, your mind is like a muscle unused for years. You forgot how to use the power ring. I can see it. You're sweating. Working too hard. You're working too slow. And um, this page with Sinestro and Hal dancing around here and fighting is the first appearance of the parallax symbol, um, from Sinestro's ring. And with a quick barrage of arrows, uh, courtesy of Kyle Rayner, Ollie's able to exact some revenge on Sinestro. And the scarring, uh, which we'll see later on in the Sinestro court, I mean, Sinestro's like, no joke, permanently damaged. He's damaged goods anyway, right? But permanently damaged from Kyle's use here. And in a great homage to one of the great Silver Age covers, Hal and Sinestro's rings touch and crack and you guys saw this cover as um the issue cover to i believe it was justice by alex ross and doug braithwaite i think it was either number 10 or 11 with like the two rings uh meeting and touching and uh, like that and you saw that again in the sinestro core war homage covers sinestro's ring isn't strong enough to keep up with willpower and it cracks and then Sinestro's like, welcome back. In other words, like, you don't even know what you're getting into. And while it looks like Sinestro dies, Hal's able to decipher that, really, this is just kind of like uh, he's back into Quard. And if you see what Hal says, he says his power, right, with, like, this yellow crackle, just dying embers floating back into the spectrum. And spectrum there is emboldened and it's highlighted there because we know that even though Hal doesn't know it yet, what Johns is writing about is the emotional spectrum. So, like, the yellow residue of fear is finding its way back into Sinestro and his ring, 
even though it's in a different dimension. It's time for Kyle and Hal to finally meet. And <laughs> they shake hands in the middle of space. And they're really, like, welcoming of each other. And Hal's, like, definitely impressed with the awesome job that Kyle's done of being, well, you know, the torchbearer for what everyone else calls him on Oa. Back on Earth, Coast City, not doing too good. Crazy, gigantic, evil grandma-looking... <laughs> Ganthet is completely infected with Parallax. The rest of the Earth Green Lanterns are completely freaking out. And Batman in the Justice League says, as long as I'm standing, you're not doing anything like Ken said earlier. And Hal's arms tied by a Batarang. And that leads us into the next issue. This is pretty crazy. I mean, it's a quick one, but that definitely satisfies my, I need, some, I, I need a straight issue of action for a comic. I, I t- seem to think that Rebirth... Uh, Flash Rebirth's next issue, number four, is probably going to follow suit with Flash and Professor Zoom. Yeah. Probably so, yeah. Possibly. I mean, like, the format's kind of like, okay, there's a problem. Let's talk about the problem. Villain reveal, villain fight, problem resolved. I mean, that's, I mean, not to, like, make things too, like, ridiculously formulaic, but I think we noticed the pattern after going over this and reading Rebirth for the last three months, you know? And it's a good one. Don't, I mean, I'm, this is not, that's not a criticism. I mean, it's, I love the last page, how Batman is depicted. You know, like everybody else is in the full light, and Batman is just a silhouette. Yeah, and despite the fact that he's in the foreground, so you think he'd be well-lit as much as all of them. But he is right. Right, completely in shadow. And that seems to be how Johns writes his Batman, like this very skeptical and you know black-and-white character, if you will. You know, he feels a certain way. You're not going to sway him. Identity crisis was when? Compared to this book, a couple months and, before, yeah, they were like right there before. were some overlap or just ending. Yeah, it was close. Okay, so this is Tell definitely in, yeah. like the identity crisis Batman right here. Like he's not happy with anybody. Uh, he doesn't Say know that. yet. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Oh, he doesn't know yet. He doesn't know yet. No, I don't okay. believe so. No, no, because he's he's still on good terms with Zatanna. I mean, Zatanna's still in the Watchtower. Yeah, right. You know, it seems to be that Batman though. You know, even though I guess it's not. Yeah. For that reason, but right now, did um, is this the first time in Green Lantern General, or have they done this with with uh, Kyle or John in the past, where the ring has a power level? Like in the early days, it was twenty four hours; it was a hard stop. You charge it twenty four hours later, it's dead. But now, ever since John's been writing, I've seen it as it's a percentage, and it can be, you know, it's it, it probably averages to be about twenty four hours. But once you get to zero percent, which could be quicker depending on how you use it, or it maybe will go longer. And now we're seeing it can get higher. A, that was a Kyle thing. When that was yeah. one of the things that happened with Kyle when he charged the ring, it it was percentage based. So like the way they the way I remember it explaining, I can't remember if it was explicitly in a book or where I read it, but basically if Kyle wanted to, he could expend all of the energy in a single charge if he wanted to, or he could slowly let it kind of dribble out. Like Bishop from the X Men, kind of. Kind of, sort of, yeah, yeah. So Kyle would have to charge it based on, you know, Usage how much power he'd expended. Yeah. It actually reminds me a lot of Iron Man's armor. You know, like every time Iron Man takes a big shot, it'll always, the armor will give him the update, like 37% power remaining or, you right. know. Yeah. I love in the, you know, going back, you know, kind of bouncing around a little bit, but going back to the beginning, that two spray, that two page spread, like Adam was saying, is just awesome. And it's using Hal as almost like a skipping stone across the water. And you see in the, in the second to last panel there, Hal's kind of going, putting his hand up to his nose or up to his you know, lip. 
and it's obviously bleeding, and he kind of turn. You know, it's like he turns to the camera, and he's almost got a smile yeah. on his face. And to me, it's like yeah. I'm back. You he's, know, he's looking. I'm, he's like, "All I right, Sinestro, feel. let's go." Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, he calls hey. him a th- Sinestro calls him a thrill seeker. Yeah. He's a, he's a test pilot. I mean, how how crazy of a job must that be? Yep. Yeah. You know, he's not a pilot. He's a test pilot. You know, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, but if you figure, you know, for the last several years, he's been you know, God's vengeance and then parallax, he hasn't been human. So here we have him. He's finally back in his human body, you know, back the way he was before he was infected. And again, he's got a bloody nose and he's, it's, it's almost like he's welcoming the fact that he's, he's human again. And this, this kind of, you know, solidified that. It's like riding a bike, you know? Yeah. And these, these fight sequences are just awesome. I mean, just, we get two or three, two page spreads, of the two of them just, you know, going at it. Let me tell you, man, that, this asteroid field in black and white is crazy. I mean, like, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, the, we talked about the art. Prentice Rollins, who uh, inked these six issues, I don't think really did a bang-up job. Um, it's very, very cool to see it and just plain old black and white. It's a very, very cool sight. And interestingly, this is one of the last works that Ethan did not... Uh, excuse me. This is one of the last works that Ethan did that someone else inked so like kind of in the post rebirth era in a lot of ways like brian bolin um he started to ink his own work um since then you know and he hasn't been on a monthly book you know because the amount of detail i mean you guys saw the flash museum in rebirth number one i mean man a lot lord that's not <laughs> that's a, that's a project man and yeah. you know the mini series you know stories that are inclined for that i mean it's a good fit it's, it's a good fit you know and he has got time to do you know, pencil and inking chores and purposefully painstaking. I remember that great interview he had with John Suntress. You know, I could take shortcuts to do a monthly book, but I, I want to bring back Barry Allen, more or less in his in his words. I don't want to feel like I'm like his spokesman or anything. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's kudos a cool... to him for. Um, I mean, I have to give him straight up props for making a, a villain who basically has a very silly costume silly costume design kind of a stupid look and making them really intimidating in sinestro i mean if you think back to the sinestro of the uh you know the super friends you know he, he kind of had the snidely whiplash <laughs> voice and the, uh, yeah. the blue jesters the blue jesters color he was kind of a big joke now we see sinestro he's he's psychotic mad planner who's like spent all this time all this energy and all this will to exact this revenge on this the man who you know ruined him you know he was the greatest of the green lanterns before hal jordan came so uh it's just really cool to see someone uh, a villain who you know hector hammond another great example what a goofy villain he's just weirdo you know, yeah he's a guy with a big head you know but uh yeah he is the modok of the dc i never thought of that yeah that works <laughs> But, uh, I mean, here he is repurposed and uh, by Johnson Van Skyver, and he actually has, like, you know, a human dimension to him, as we find out later in the series. But uh, I, kudos to them for making Sinestro scary and believable as scary. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the whole Sinestro thing, I mean, the whole Charlie Callis portrayal of Sinestro, you know, happened with the Ed McMahon-hosted special, Legends of the Superheroes, you know, and actually Sinestro was in a brown costume when uh, Callis played him, which is kind of like a weird kind of Sinestro trivia note. Sorry, I'm freaking out here. But, you know, it, it's interesting that Sinestro basically, you know, his, his repurposed self in this issue 
you know, with the costume that Jim was talking about, that's actually standard fare. Like, those are like his Corgarian like, civvies. You know, like, when we look at Secret Origin, when Sinestro's ring goes down, he's got the blue and black costume on underneath because that's, like, the equivalent of Hal's, uh, you know, uh, his of Hal's dad's jacket being on underneath the Green Lantern uniform, you know? That's just his, you know, shorts and T-shirt, basically. That's it's how just, he rolls. He just looks like the toy man with the crazy court jester frills. <laughs> yeah. Also from the, the Super last, Friends. One of the last things that's coming on issue five here is we see again this thing that comes up in uh, Secret Origin where we see the sequence of how Sinestro and, and Hal first meet where, you know, Hal's in, in the plane being his test pilot and, you know, there's Sinestro just, you know, right outside and Hal smacks smooth into him and he protects Hal and the plane explodes and kind of chastises him, you know, because, we, you know, Hal doesn't wear the ring. Well, in this, this instance he is, but Hal, I, th- I think actually in Secret Origin, Hal wasn't wearing the ring, and I think Sinestro scolds him for the fact that he doesn't wear the ring when he's flying. Yeah, he's like, he doesn't, doesn't he bring Hal the ring? He's like, put this on, fool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure he brings them the ring. But again, another another nod that comes up later, you know, where we see this, this scene played out again to show, you know, John's, in his plan. Sinister's insistence basically says you have to have like the ring equals power, but like how's, you know, how doesn't fly with it like you said and he realizes that he would still be a hero without the ring. It's just like, you know, it, it just amplifies him. Of course, he wouldn't be a superhero, you know, without it, but it's I think like the the dichotomy is how realizes that it's his own willpower and the ring is but a conduit. Whereas Sinestro sees this, you know, crazy space jewelry as the end-all, be-all. And from my best estimate, something he's very much trying to get back himself and forsake the yellow one even. So you're going to take us home, Ken, with Uh, issue six? Issue six. And issue six, of course, picks up right where where we left off, where Batman was saying, you know, as long as I'm staying, we're not doing anything. So Hal basically calls him on that and puts him down in one punch and as a... Good callback to the uh, Justice League International era. You know, you have Guy in the background saying, you see that one punch? Everybody remembers <laughs> Batman putting down Guy, which was uh, actually it was a fun thing to read. Didn't they do that on Brave and the Bold? Uh, I never even watched all those. So I don't know the, if they did. The cartoon? It. Yeah, I haven't seen them all. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's possible. Um, Batman still protests, but, but Superman stops him as you realize that the entire... Uh, collective core there that just just takes off and goes to deal with uh with Parallax Ganthet. Finally Alan Scott is like, you know, Hal knows what he's doing, let him go. So as they approach Ganthet, they kinda you know figure what the deal is. And again, we go back to what I was saying before about how their ores, their how the how they use the ring is different for each one and how it basically goes in is exactly what I was saying before. John building from the inside out, seeing every ultimate nut and bolt. Guy can't wait. He just can't wait to let his his will free. Kyle never satisfied. He's an artist, and literally using a, a, a hand with a brush and a, and a pencil, drawing his construct until finally, uh, you know, Killua comes up and just lets his pure power, you know, just like a cannon. And then finally, Hal joins in, and they just let loose into this huge Ganthet, you know, more powerful than they ever imagined. And we saw how powerful Ganthet is by himself. And now he has, uh, he's influenced by Parallax. Until we have a fantastic two-page, two-page spread of the, of the five of them, in, you know, speaking the oath in brightest day, in blackest night. Just keep attacking. Keep drilling it down. Get the guy Gardner there. Beware our power. 
in a big loud Green Lantern's light and they just tear at him. Even when he fights back, can't stop them. Hold the line. You know, give up, damn you. Trying to, trying to, Gantha trying to bring him down. He's like, I don't know how. And, and you just see this, you know, how strong Hal's will is to, uh, to take down Gantha until finally he's destroyed. And th- through the rings into the central power battery, Parallax is basically reabsorbed into the battery. And we find the other Guardians are, are, are still there. And I'll have a question about that, that later. I didn't realize they had been reformed at this point. Ganthet is just lying there and, and bent, uh, still alive. Guy accepts and admits he lied. He misses the ring. Bruce and Hal have their uneasy truce for, for now. Doesn't want to, Bruce doesn't want to say he's wrong, but he's also not ready to, to not have Hal back. Get back to Bell Reeve and Hector Hammond is congratulating Hal in his own way. We have some coloring to his war balloons this time. Not quite the orange we're going to get, but it's still it's there. And our general epilogues here. You know, it's like Carol's bought the air the airfield back. Um, Hal visits Ollie and gets his power battery back from him. And he says, "You know what? I still can't remember that damn oath." And we end with just Hal charging up. I'll never forget it. And now Hal's back. He's back, baby. Hey, are those the black hands fingers in Ollie's dustpan? Yes. Yep. Nice. I never noticed that. Yeah, he he did sweep them up earlier on. Yeah, there's there are the bones of his fingers. Nice catch. Yeah, I never I didn't pay attention to that at all. It would have been super easy for uh, John's just to you know concentrate on Hal and bringing Hal back into rebirth. But I love the way he includes all the other you know lanterns that we've known throughout the years. You know, throughout the the comic book. I mean, we get Guy Gardner, we get John Stewart, we get Kyle Rayner, Kilowog, and you know the Guardians and all the the mythos that goes with it. I think that's outstanding. I mean, a, a lesser writer would have probably just concentrated on Hal and forgotten about ancillary characters. But I think John's really realizes that as part of the the charm of the Green Lantern Corps overall, where all these disparate personalities working together. And we're seeing that that's the way you know John's work. He's bringing the, he brought the whole Green Lantern family into it, if you will. He's doing the same thing with Flash. I mean, even the first issue, we had all the speedsters who were still, who were alive. You know, were all represented in one way or another. And now we even are getting to the ones, you know, Max Mercury and some other ones. So John's definitely does that. He respects the past. And he wants everything to be incorporated into the story he's trying to tell. That's a good point because when um, I, I, I heard they were bringing back Barry Allen, I was worried that Wally was going to get short shrift. But then when I heard it was Jeff Johns, I'm like, okay, I'm sure Johns will come up with a, a good uh, spot for Wally as well. Yeah, it's, it's something when you can give, you know, just based on you take you take a concept that people have been saying for years, it's almost like Brubaker on the Marvel side, you know, concept for years and years and years, you know, they use the term Bucky dead or Barry dead. And then when somebody talks about bringing it back, which has been kind of the ire of, of many a fanboy for years and years and years is the thought of him coming back and to do it now, you know, say, Oh, you're bringing Barry back. And it's like, well, Jeff Johns is doing it. And you know, immediately it's just, Oh, okay. You, You give it a pass because the guys, you know, up to this point, he's taken these concepts and, you know, proven that he can do it right. So, you know, in my book, you know, don't, you know, don't be negative about it until, until there's reason to be. And so far we haven't had that. I love at the end, about three pages before the epilogue where we get the, the face-off between Batman and, and Hal. And I love the way that Ethan Van Skyver's framed these panels where you get the one panel of Batman and then the one panel of Hal and then the one panel of Batman. We're kind of flipped back and forth. And they're done in the same, you know, the, the panel layout is exactly the same for all three panels, just from that, gives you the sense of that stare down. And then again, on the next page, when when you get the first panel, is a, is a big close-up of, of Batman's cowl, 
and the detail that he's put in there on the, you know, the brow lines and everything else from behind the cowl, and then the the profile view, I just thought was just really exceptional. The way he, you know, the the coloring I think really stands out on this, but um, but just the detail given to the cape and to the cowl and, and to all the, the the features on Batman. But I don't I don't know why. Just on these few pages, the 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 Batman side of it really stands out to me more so than than anything he's doing on the green with the Green Lantern. When before did we see before where the rest of the Guardians were brought back? Because I thought Ganthet once Parallax was defeated and Hal was back, Ganthet had basically restored the Guardians so they could rebuild the rebuild the core. But here we're finding that the Guardians are are already reconstituted, they're already back. So have they been back before this in in Kyle's book or or John? Do we know? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I almost took it just without the history of it that they, because it says brothers and sisters, it's time. Mm-hmm. So I, I almost took it just without prior knowledge that this was their return, right. that they hadn't been in existence before, but I have nothing to base that on. It could be. But again, at the end of this, the other thing that was kind of daring in for the series is that I guess the main villain really is Parallax as an, as an entity and, and John setting up the Parallax as the villain. But, it, it's interesting in that issue five, we get the defeat of Sinestro, and the story's not done yet. So, you know, we've taken all this time to defeat what's considered really the main villain to go to issue six and it not be wrapped up there. Um, and I guess that, you know, part of that is, you know, in, in hindsight is, you know, what we know now to, to really cement Parallax as the villain and the entity that it is, but I just thought that was an interesting choice that it, you know, what, what you would typically think is the end wasn't really the end. So as, as we end this book, you know, we think, you know, Parallax is contained. So I remember reading Green Lantern going forward. I just, just, I was getting some great stories. And as I look back, there's just so many seeds planted. There's a, there's a line I was just looking through here in one of the earlier issues from, uh, from Ganthet that, uh, about hope, you know, hope is not enough against, fear will only willpower can defeat or something like that and i'm just saying like you know was that a line or was that deliberate it had to be deliberate there because of course ganthic becoming the guardian of hope eventually and hope by itself is nothing it needs the willpower to act and 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 as we're going to learn through the war of light and even with parallax when he when they show up and the the sinister core special comes back it comes up and we're seeing you know what the sinister core is and and how how detailed Sinestro's plan is going to be, you know, this is not the last we're going to see of, the, of these people, you know, meaning Sinestro and, and Parallax as an entity, not so much a person. Uh, what's to come is just more exciting than I could imagine. I mean, when I, this, this was very good, but, you know, in two weeks when we do Sinestro Core War, you know, that's just what made me a Green Lantern fan for life. I mean, as much as I enjoyed this, the Sinestro Core War was, that enthralled me two years ago. Oh, yeah. I think this did a good job of, it almost ended like, you know, you walk out of a movie and say, oh, well, they left it open for a sequel. You know, it almost, it almost gave that feel like you, you know that Parallax is in that battery and, and you know that something's going on with Hector Hammond and Sinestro's still around. So it ended, but, you know, you got that feeling that it, it, it made you want to look into the new series, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. At this point, you know, Infinite Crisis hasn't happened yet. We haven't met Superboy Prime yet, at least not in the way we know him. You know, there's so much that has yet to happen in the DC Universe that's going to bring us into Sinestro Core War that's like, yeah, you know something's going to happen, but you really have no idea what's coming. 
And, I, and I'm kind of feeling that way right now with Blackest Night. I mean, we, we know a little bit more. We're getting closer to it now. We're only a month out before it really kicks off. But, you know, that, I mean, Blackest Night is the third act of, of uh, John's, you know, three-act series here, if you will, is th- uh, the story. Everything in between has just been fantastic. And, I, and I'm really enjoying uh, going through these books again. Yeah. One more thing to, on, on issue six that I have. Getting back to John's point about Hector Hammond and him looking like Sinestro, what really threw me off and made me, and, and especially because Sinestro kind of disappeared and not being familiar with the Hector Hammond character at all, was on the, the page before the epilogue when you see the cut back to Belle Reeve and you see that, that large panel with Hector Hammond in his big old head. I had a real hard time not thinking that was Sinestro. And, and a lot of it is just the way that the, his head is drawn and that whole, the mustache like it is. But I, for a while, I didn't realize that that was who that was. So I was confused for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I was the same way at first. Because you're right, it's, it's, it's very similar. But similar as you're looking at it, it's like, you know, okay, this wasn't explained to me before, so I, I, you don't know. If you put that Sinestro reveal page next to this page, besides the Hector's head being like totally oversized, I'd say they're drawn pretty similarly. Aside from the huge nugget, they're very similar. Yeah. Head, pants, now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anybody else? No, I think that's a good start. I think that's a good first show to uh, crack this nut. All right, well, we've got a, let's say in two weeks, we're going to uh, look at the Sinestro Core War in detail, the entire book, so we'll see how long that goes, or... That's a few more books and just six issues in that one. And then um, a couple weeks after that, we're going to look at the War of Light, the run-up into Blackest Night. At that point, Blackest Night may have already kicked off. I'm not sure when the release date on that guy is. But we are going to be looking at that. And you'll probably be seeing some audio blogs on our website, www.legionofdudes.com. Um, over the next couple of months, as we look at Blackest Night, um, I have a feeling we'll probably be doing something about the uh, the Green Lantern animated feature that's going to be coming out on July 28th, I believe it is. And um, actually, did you guys... There's been some live-action movie news coming out recently, too. Oh, some more stuff? Director choices and, yeah, scripts being handed in and things like that. Very cool. Well, the script's done. They've got to take Secret Origin and make that. Yeah. Did you notice in the trailer for that, when we get to Sinestro being on his own, he's wearing the yellow uniform? He's not wearing the, the blue and purple? Yeah, it looks like they're jumping right to business there. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm looking forward to seeing how they do it. I, I, they, they've been knocking the stuff out of the park with their directed DVD stuff, so I'm looking forward to this. Now, next week, we're going to do another one-shot. I believe we are going to uh, head to a galaxy far, far away and do some Star Wars. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we're going to look at Star Wars Vector, um, the, the, the year-long Star Wars extravaganza that uh, Dark Horse did last year. So look for that next week. Don't forget, you can uh, send your comments on Green Lantern or anything we do to comments at legionofdudes.com or that voicemail again, which is 516-468-7912. And don't forget our brother podcast, Half Hour Wasted, on the same feed every Monday. We're here every Thursday. On behalf of the rest of the dudes, I will just say good night and have a good night. Good night, all. Take care.